0: Everybody. welcome to the Frog Snacks podcast. I am one of your lovely co-hosts, Frog, uh, and I'm joined as always by my uh, wonderful podcasting and gaming companion, Snacks. Hello, Snacks. Hello. Uh, today, we are going to talk about one of my favorite game, definitely my favorite game this year. Uh, and a game that is rapidly climbing my all-time favorites list. Mm. And that is none other than Persona 5. I've been waiting to have this conversation for a little while, as Snacks knows.
1: Yeah, to, I think the game the game came out a couple of months ago now. It's been out, you know, it came out earlier this year, for sure.
0: It came out in uh, April. Okay. Uh, my play schedule is slow as balls I know. And our dear friend Snacks did not get the game uh, until June.
1: Plus, the game is very, very long.
0: And the game is long as fuck. Yeah. So, you know, I I, I mentioned several podcasts ago how hilariously we went from, like, the PS1 era where dudes advertised 300-hour games on the box in some cases. And then we went to, like, the 360-gen where people were bitching that games had been cut down to, like, eight or nine hours. And here we are again, all over again at 200-hour games. So, blessing and a curse. But in this in this case, almost entirely a blessing. This game is pretty monumental. But why don't we start, why don't we start at the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
0: So, for those folks that don't know, the Persona series is a virtual novel Mashed with a dungeon crawler. You play as a plucky in every one of the games. You play as a plucky band of Japanese high school teens who are going to save the world in some manner by exploring an alternate universe uh, that will contain shadows and they will wield personas. All of which are monsters that manifest themselves from uh, the damage wounds of one's psyche. Each game has a slightly different spin on that concept. Why these, and why has the, have these games become such a big deal? Because they are just so well executed. Every game is infinitely better than the last. Uh, though I can really only speak about Persona 3 forward. But there are some there are some Persona one and two diehards out there, but Persona three on is like what really kicked off the Persona series as something that was on the tongues of uh, the gaming world at large, right?
1: Yeah, and we should also mention that that was right around the time where it started to break from its uh, spin-off roots a little bit because yes. uh, you know, a brief brief history, if you've ever played the uh, Shin Megami Tensei series, uh, Persona is just a spin off of that. And, and it kind of followed that um, template. Th- that template and that formula for a while. And r- I think Persona 3, even though the, the official title of Persona 3 was Shimigami Meg- Tensei Persona 3, uh, yeah. it, it started to have a little bit of its own flavor. Whereas, you know, a lot of the other spin offs, you know, your, your Etrian Odyssey and, and your SMT mainline games, like, all still kind of. D- did this one thing where you just kind of like poke deeper and deeper into uh, one very, very large dungeon. Right. Um, this is this is where it started to take the shape of a more, somewhat more traditional JRPG in, in, in the way that we understand it in the West.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And in fact, I it should tell you how far they've gone in establishing a Persona series as its own thing that I completely forgot to mention that, yes, it is technically a spin-off of SMT, but as Snack said, as of 3, 3 is definitely the last game where you could definitely, if you're an SMT fan, you could definitely uh, see the resemblance like right on the surface. Um, but after that, then it's just completely gone off on another tangent into its own weird, wonderful, and amazing universe. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's that's the background essentially so
0: let's talk about uh our personal stories to this game right so dingus and i are huge fans of persona uh we both got on board with persona 3 ding sidebar dingus would tell you by the way i don't know if he ever said this to you snacks but he tried to pick he actually was the reason like i got interested in the game in the first place like it had been on my radar a little bit because I heard the buzz about Persona 3, but he actually went to start playing it. Uh, but our other friend Steven, shout out Steven, and I were in his room in, in college when he started to play it, and we decided, being you know the bastions of maturity that we were, that we would take every line that was uttered in the game and turn it into some tawdry sexual reference, which was hysterical to both of us at the time. Uh, But Dinkus was far less pleased to the point where he actually stopped playing the game (laughs) until like a couple years later, uh, which was actually after I had picked it up seriously myself. But we both played it, loved it. Uh, In my typical old format, I took forever to try and get through but persona 3 is a really really hard game. That's the other thing that makes it like a classic S&T style game. Mm-hmm. It's it's like unbelievably difficult. Yeah. Uh, and and after,
1: like, I actually heard system. about I actually heard about persona for the first time also in Dingus' room. Yep.
0: Yep. He I, he may have mentioned that in the course of being tight about minor Stephen's antics. Uh, yeah, but persona 3 is a pretty difficult game and and for Often bullshit reasons, you know, random one-shots from, like, w- stupid enemies that you could otherwise kill blindfolded, right? Yeah. Uh, so I actually never got to the end of that game because I said to myself I wanted to play 3 before playing 4. But Dinks was just like, he a- he actually pressured me to drop 3 and start playing 4. Advice that I finally took and never looked back. <laughs> Because 4 is a phenomenal, phenomenal game. Mm -hmm. And playing 4, though I'm still in the middle of that, actually, to stop playing 4 when 5 finally dropped. Uh, But starting to play 4 only built my anticipation for 5. And we've been waiting for 5 since, uh, what, 2013?
1: Yeah, yeah, had to have been.
0: Yeah. Um, So we were thirsty as fuck and got the game immediately upon release and started devouring it. But now you enter the picture, right? hmm <laughs> So we, as you said, we'd mentioned the Persona series to you before, but you were like, okay, that's cool, whatever. Side thing.
1: Yeah, I was I was aware of the Persona series. Uh pr- probably right around the release of Persona 3. The first time I'd actually seen it live was in Dingus' room, and I remember watching him play it for a while, and it seemed like a you know, an interesting enough JRPG. Uh this was the one where you accessed your Personas by shooting yourself in the head. That's and, three. And I remember thinking that that was like like, like very weird. Like, a little discomforting. And very weird. It was recent. super edgelordy. And it was. And then and then, I remember, uh, like, just a few weeks ago, I was talking about Persona 5 to a co-worker. And he was like, Persona? Isn't that the game where they shoot themselves in the head? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, yeah, but not this one. But, so that, that was it. Right? And, and I kind of, you know again, this is, this is at a time where JRPGs were like really outside of, of, uh, you know, popular Western discourse when it came to games. And I don't, I, I don't want to say that I ever like JRPGs ever fell out of favor with me, but it, it, like you said, it always kind of became like a side thing. I was just, um, you know, I, I would play the mainline stuff. Um, you know, but this was around the time same time where Western RPG started to get really big, you know, uh, this is when you know Oblivion's coming out around this time, and um, you know, uh, kind of just doing stuff like that, and yep. and Dragon Age and Mass Effect, right? So it it kind of it kind of fell off, and then uh, Persona Four comes out, and I remember per, for Persona Four, I yeah, um, I know you you two were playing it, and. It got a uh, Persona 4 Golden came out for the 3DS, and no
0: Vita, that's Vita. Oh, the Vita. It,
1: well, either way, and, and I and I almost and I almost 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 got it, but I still just wasn't ready. And I don't know. I I, I it it seemed interesting enough, but not interesting enough for me to dive in. I believed that it was a very good game, sure. And then earlier this year, um, Persona 5 comes out, obviously. And right around that same time, uh, a game called Catherine, which came out in 2011, uh, goes free for oh no 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 it, get, it gets it gets um
0: massive discount massive
1: discount I think it was three dollars on on the Xbox Live Arcade yep or the Xbox Store whatever so I'm like three uh, dollars Frog talked about this game a lot when it when it first came out and I watched a lot of gameplay footage of it and I thought it was really cool so this is the same development team as Persona Five. This was, um,
0: this was in fact their warm-up game for Persona 5.
1: Right. Same uh you know same uh, like same exact art style, uh same composer, Shoji Meguro, and I thought Catherine was like such a blast, right? I thought it, it was
0: Really
1: is. I thought it was so like interesting and like weird enough to be um like weird enough to uh to like keep my interest, but not weird enough to turn me away. Yep. And it was just like nothing. It was it was like no other game I've ever played before. I don't think it's like any game that anybody's ever played before. It's nobody
0: it's, has seen anything from either the mechanics to the batshit crazy storyline.
1: Yeah, and if you and if and if you've if you've never played uh, Catherine. It's going to be difficult to describe, but it is essentially um, it, it is essentially another it's another visual novel. But the way that it works is that you are playing a, a, a young man who is in a relationship with a woman named Catherine, who spells her name with a K. and you get involved with a woman whose name is also Catherine, um, who spells her hot? name who spells her name with a C, and yeah, she's she's like a bit of like a like a typical like temptress type. And, uh, you, you have nightmares every night for, for like a week, right? And, um, in in these nightmare stages, you, you kind of do this like whole puzzle thing to escape your nightmare and, and the story kind of unravels throughout the day and and you go to the bar and hang out with your friends and ask them what they think and, um, develop your relationships with, with them. And there's all kinds of weird, like, it's a very dense game for, for eight hours, I think, um, Mm -hmm. It, it, it really isn't that long of a game, but there's so much that I got out of it. Uh, and, you know, Frog had mentioned to me, oh, this, this is the same, you know, this is the same development team for Persona 5. And I was like, oh, really? Interesting. But still, like, I, I've, got a, I've got a loaded gaming slate this year, you know, always trying to play and beat as many games as I can. And uh, sure enough, uh, first week of June, it's... <laughs> It's my birthday and I got a package in the mail, birthday present from Frog and Dingus. It's a copy of Persona 5 for PS4. So... Yep. So, uh, you know, said my thank yous, started the game that day. Um, And I am, I would say, within two hours of finishing it now. Uh, And I'm just about at the 120-hour mark.
0: Fuck your schedule. Persona is more important. (laughs) That is literally what we say. Yeah. I said so. The backstory there is that I went to Dingus and I was like, "All right, we have Snacks has to stop this not playing Persona bullshit." So I said to him, "Are we getting him this game?" What he was like, "How much?" That that was all that needs to be said. And then the game was purchased. <laughs> it was as simple as that. Yeah. And uh, and we that that is just to display how high our confidence was that if you got a taste of this game, you wouldn't look back. And suffice to say, you got a taste of the game and
1: you didn't look back. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it through to the end. It's a fantastic game.
0: There you have it folks. Persona five is a fantastic (laughs) game. Podcast over. No, uh, (laughs) (laughs) we've said everything we need to say. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's delve in, and I want you to lead this, because as the first-time Persona player, I really want to get your perspective
1: on what you're seeing here, right? Right. So let's start with this.
0: What is the first thing that impressed you about Persona 5?
1: So I i, I think that it's a really... Um, It it was like almost a good idea, even though it wasn't an idea. It just kind of happened this way that I played Catherine right before I played Persona 5 because it kind of got me in this, um, in this like aesthetic mood. And I think that there's, if there's anything that nobody's going to write a review of Persona 5 without using the word style. And it's, it's a very rare word that is used in, video game reviews, I noticed. And, and it's because even if something is beautiful, you know, or, or incredibly well-crafted, you know, the, 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 the art style in the game is, 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 you know, perfect and, and uh, everything is rendered so beautifully and they did such a good job with all this and that and the visuals are unbelievable and even the music could be good. But rarely is the word style used as like a standalone verb for for how, or, or adjective for how like good a game is. And right. I think that that's something that I really got out of Catherine and it's something that definitely carries over into Persona 5. The, the first thing that strikes you about the game is that it is like so u- so unique in that it has this stylistic theme to it the um it, it it's got this it's got this like strangely urban flavor to the whole thing even though it's about like japanese teenagers who are not like you know of the um of like the jet set radio future vein Although oh, right. you know they're they're not like they're not like these like rollerblading graffiti artists like right, they're right, right. they're like regular ass kids and and the thing the, the thing about the style is that like it's all it's all very much the fingerprint of the development team, right? It's yep. it's, uh, it, it's Shoji Maguro, who is – I I will I will call him a genius.
0: Let me pause right there. I'm going to get back to, to Mr. Maguro later because and there's going to be some slobbering going on as soon as I start talking about this motherfucker, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, I wanted for the listeners to be to, – to, understand the gravity of the words that just passed Snacks' lips. Snacks, unlike me, is not a game music aficionado. No. But he just called Shoji Maguro a genius.
1: He like, is. It's, un- it's unequivocal. Is like, it's
0: actually not polite enough, because the real term is God. Okay? <laughs> that man is... a. Un- so, see, you've seen his work in this game. Yeah. I got his work across three. And all three games have wildly different, like, sonic templates. Sure. The, the sounds for this game, he went for uh, a jazz theme. Yes. Persona 4 had, like, a pop rock kind of theme. Mm-hmm. And 3 was a hip-hop theme. Okay. All of those wildly different styles... And all of them nailed brilliantly in each one, and each one perfectly sets the tone for the for each of those games.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll
0: go more into that later because I want you to continue the story. But yeah, Right. and his team soundtrack is a humongous part of what uh, makes the style of this game cohere.
1: Yeah, and the thing the thing that that is that is uh, you know that. I noticed alongside this is not only is is this uh, this this entire soundtrack the the work of this one man who you know Im- impressed me when I played Catherine sure, but is like so married so integrated to the visual style of the game that yes. it's it's. Something that I I I am going to now notice is lacking in other RPGs. It's almost a certainty at this point because it's so it do, it it does such a good job. Like you said, the jazz theme, right? It's this jazz funk soundtrack. There's only like the the he 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 manages to set the tone with with as much vibrancy as. The art style, which in and of itself is, you know, in the realm of ostentation, right? It is it is so, uh, you know, uh, poignant and eye popping, and for the for for the the soundtrack to not only match the intensity of the visuals of the game, mm-hmm. but to guide it and yes. to and to be and to be. Um, as much of an indicator as what, uh, to what is happening, as the actual art style, is is unbelievable. It, it's the most impressive part of the game, I think, is just how well the art design and the composer uh, managed to create like this one unit. I think that if there were no dialogue and you didn't play it, and it was like this weird silent film, but. With the Soji Maguro soundtrack, mm-hmm. it would, in and of itself, be, like, a really impressive, pe- like, like work, you know?
0: That's a very good point. That is a very good point. Because you're right, and that is one thing I think that immediately comes across. That the, t- the Persona team really, and if you think about it, is probably the only team currently working in gaming that can execute an aesthetic concept on every front. Yes. Uh, so in reading a little bit about some of the background for the game, they went for a theme uh picaresque, right? Mm-hmm. Drawing from like these old school these old school like swashbuckling style uh, french style um, aesthetic, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why side note Arsène is the first persona that you have. Yes. The thief. Uh, so that whole that whole kind of again the kind of swashbuckling seventeen hundreds French style uh, is in the visual design of the dungeons, the visual design of the characters, and melts perfectly with this super crazy jazz funk soundtrack. That's again somehow is every track is absolutely perfect for when it comes up in a game.
1: Yes, that's definitely true. So the, the other thing is like, the other thing that I thought was really cool. And this is again, another thing that I thought was really cool in Catherine is you are, uh, in, in Catherine, right? You, like I said, you in between, uh, nightmare worlds, you are just progressing the story by, by hanging out with your friends and, and doing stuff and yep. you spend a lot of that time in in the bar, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of the things that you that happens in between you actually doing your your you know the the puzzles during the nightmare realm is you are uh, you are kind of being spoken to by just the regular people in your life, your friends, uh, both Catherine's, the the bartender. Uh, there's like a with the, the the barmaid that comes around Erica, right? right? Who was my favorite? I loved her. But <laughs> there and, and the thing is, is that they they all talk to you, um, but you know that they're dropping these like, uh, these like audible clues as to like the whole theme of the game, right? Like they will, um. There's there's one there's one constant in Catherine where you're at the bar and and Erica asks you what you want to drink and you have four options I think you have I think it's uh, beer uh, a mixed drink sake and and a liquor I guess I think That's is what it is correctly, yeah. so say you pick uh, a cocktail right uh, I only picked cocktails throughout the whole game because the, every time you pick a cocktail. They give you a random cocktail, and they tell you like the backstory of the cocktail. Yes, like how, that's right. How it got invented, you know where where it was popularized, uh, who invented it if it's a, if that's a thing. And there's almost always this like hidden clue in the writing for that that somehow brings itself up later on. And it's 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 kind of hard to find an example in it because it's such a short game, but you know, somebody will say something to you about, about like, oh, did you know that this comes from this? And not only do you get a fun fact out of it, but you find how much the aesthetic is married to the writing and is married to the art style in the game because they, they drop hints about that type of stuff. And that's the other thing that I thought was really, really cool about Persona 5 is that they, they carry that over, but it's like, you know, times a thousand and
0: no question.
1: So, you know, you're, you're a high school student and you have to take exams and stuff and sit through class and they'll always bring up some random topic for whatever they're talking about in class and they'll talk about thieves and, you know, famous thieves in history. They'll talk about, you know, what uh, Japanese words are derived from like, um, you know, some some historical, some like foreign historical record that's like about, um, you know, the, the heart of or something like that, like some some recurring theme that happens throughout the game gets brought up in very explicit terms, and then you get the you get the um, you know the, the backstory of that. So it's like you're you're literally like being told all of the things in the game that the developers found out while they were making the game and were inspired by, and then they and then they like just present it to you in the game like uh, like as you know classroom material or or um. You know, somebody will just bring it up in passing. And I thought that that was really, really cool too.
0: I never thought about it like that, but that is totally true.
1: It's totally what happens. They, they essentially weave into the game all of the, uh, uh, all of the inspiration for the game. So you, you are like getting this whole education about the game while you're playing it.
0: Which is funny that you mentioned that, because Persona 4 Golden, part of the stuff that they added for that re-release is, so, okay, so one of the themes of Persona 4 is TV. Uh, in Persona 4, the, the dungeon crawling happens when you go into the TV world. Mm-hmm. So what they did for uh, the content they added is that they created, like a, like, a fake TV network Okay. And so there's like a schedule for the network which gets filled out, and those are like mini-shows and whatever that get filled out as you finish the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there'll be things like you can watch a short lecture about uh, Jungian philosophy, uh, the, the the philosophy of uh, Carl Jung, yes. his theories that inform personas, the idea of a persona, uh, and concert footage and all this other stuff that they put in. So... It, that's what you instantly reminded me of. Uh, they didn't do it as explicitly in the game as they do in Five, but with Four they added it later. That that element of you can learn about the inspiration for the game as you play.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And then, um, you know, and then and then as and then y- y- you know once you get to the once you get to the actual like gameplay, you know this is. Uh, you know, just about as 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 deep as you can expect from a JRPG, right? You've got you've got um, you have your main persona, but you you know, one of the things that's that's been a, a a gameplay facet of the SMT series going back to the '80s is that you you all of the monsters in the game can be recruited by you, and yep. they all have their own stats and their own powers, and you essentially build a team of, of these guys. So it's, um, you know, and, and you can like dispose of them and merge them however you need, uh, to fulfill whatever, you know, uh, you know, move sets that you might need going forward. And, um, and, 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 and it's, and it it provides for a very deep, uh, gameplay aspect. So you're not just mowing enemies down. There's a, there's much more strategy built into it because you, you end up, once you have a full team, you have a pretty wide move set, and mm-hmm. and you've got the whole like you know strengths and weaknesses, uh, like elementals that that you know is is always something that I appreciate, and uh, they they get there's there's a ton of you know buffs and and debuffs, and you have to be careful as to what persona that you currently have because they all have their weaknesses and. Um, and so, so there's that. And should you get to the point where you can converse with the enemies, you can have them just give you money. You can have them give you an item. You can have them join your team. Um, they can berate you. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty. It's 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 a, it's fun. It's fun. And if you if you're at a point where you just need to mow them down, you can just mow them down. Especially once you uh, have added them to to your compendium and you know what they're weak against, you can just kind of you know, crit them and, and be gone with them.
0: Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that the demon negotiation, they actually... For, so we said before that they kind of got pretty far from the uh, SMT template, right? Mm-hmm. But this is actually something they added in the demon negotiation to this. This was not in 3 or 4. Really? Yeah, the, neg- the actual negotiation wasn't there. You could straight up... Um, Get you know um, personas through cards or random drops or whatever in, in both those games, but there were, the, the negotiation was new for this. Uh, even though it's I use new in quotation marks because anybody who's played SMT knows that that's a foundational part of the game. But yeah, that's a, that's actually them putting back some of the old school DNA into this game, which I was really glad to see because just like in SMT, the demon negotiation is one of the best parts. Because it's so batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be talking to some random, like, flower monster, and it'll be like, you know, going on about existential crisis, and then you get to be like, okay, well, join my party. Like, really? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, or they're like, if you say the wrong thing to them, they're like, you're sick, and then they, like, you know, kind of, like, take a step away from you, and then it's their turn to attack. Yeah. Or they're like uh, yeah, you seem fine, but I don't want to join you because, you know, you're not strong or whatever. And then they'll just like hand you like 800 yen and like run away. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that it's like, um, it's, it's so Japanese to the point where it's almost tough to play it as an American from like a cultural standpoint, because this is, and this is, this is something that they kept throughout a lot of the Persona games where they keep, they keep stuff that is, um, like, unabashedly foreign, and they don't bother to kind of overwrite it when, when they do the localization. Like, they'll keep, um, they'll keep the honorific system, mm-hmm. and they'll do—if you don't know what that is, that's when they, like, you know—it's uh, essentially a, a really intense form of saying uh, sir and ma'am, but in Japan— and, uh, you know, all various <laughs> an
0: interesting way to describe it.
1: Go yeah, <laughs> but like various, various like social status would would incur different, um, you know, honorific terms, and and there there are much more than just the two. And uh, I don't think, and I think that they are genderless as well.
0: Uh, I think for the most part.
1: Yeah. So not, not
0: expert, but for the most part, I believe they're genderless.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it can be confusing if you don't know what, you know, Kuhn or like Chan or, you know, Senpai is like these, these words make no sense until you can like infer what they mean from context. But even then, like, I still feel like I wouldn't be able to use them correctly. So Um,
0: it's funny. (laughs) It's so funny to me that you call that out because the reason that they did, they leave those in is because they're like, all right, this is a weeb game. Yeah. Like Mm
1: 1,000%. This is a
0: weeb game. We know the audience that is, I mean, Persona 5 has, I'm happy to say, broken out to a very large audience now Mm -hmm. because it's so good and got so much great buzz. But they're like, we know who the core audience is, which is anime nerds. Yeah. And all the anime nerds in the U.S. know all those honorifics because they're used so heavily throughout all anime. Yeah. And I'm one of those people. So their use of, you know, Kunchan, Senpai, all of that does not even register as like a thing to me. Because I'm, that's why I'm laughing, because I'm like, I would have even thought to call that out as a thing. Uh, yeah,
1: I, I did not know how so I did not know how the honorific system worked in conversation. Like I had heard the phrase senpai before, but I didn't know that like I would refer to you to your face as frog senpai.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. So senpai, real quick, senpai is like kind of like your like an older uh, older person like your mentor. So, but um, it's it's kind of confusing unless you know the context. So like in school, if you're in sixth grade and eighth grade, is your senpai?
1: Yeah, and and so like, but this was like you, you know they, I I wasn't like scratching my head like what is this? I had just never actually seen it used, and then. The other thing is that, um, you know, all the stuff that in Japanese, cl- in the Japanese classroom, like, like you follow a, the Japanese class schedule, right? Yes. Those dudes go to school on Saturday on morning.
0: Saturday, yeah.
1: I was like, I was like, what am I doing in school, man? This is my day off. I got stuff to do. Right. And then, and then, you know, they, they have, uh, you know, they keep, they keep a lot of the holidays. Um, I was kind of like, it, it was so weird, like going to school on July 4th, like, Yes. They don't even mention it. Like it's, it's, it's so, it's so, um, like solidly Japanese.
0: Yeah. They, they, you know, they said we will change
1: nothing. They changed nothing. And, and, and that's, you know, that's fine. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, like we, like I said before, they, you know, they do the whole like classroom stuff where they teach you st- things And there's some stuff that they bring up that I think is probably inherently known to Japanese school children, but certainly not to me. Like they would use this foundation of knowledge as a way to teach you something. But I was like, I don't know what that first thing is. Right. And, and it's, and it's stuff like they would show you Japanese characters and and be like, this is where this comes from. And I'm like, I don't, that's a, that's a Japanese character. I have no clue what that is. So, so it's, it's, it's interesting because like you they're forcing you to learn all of this stuff and then you know without them even really putting it into the game on purpose you're also learning about Japanese culture a little bit mm-hmm. which is which is fun and you and I don't mean in the same way where like if you watch a lot of anime you'll get this stuff like through osmosis you know right. like this is this is like straight up like a reality t- like a like a like a sci-fi reality tv show for japanese teen like teenagers
0: it is and in fact um there was even a kotaku post when the game first dropped talking about how the many of the locations in the game are based on like actual neighborhoods around tokyo
1: yeah somebody um somebody did like an uh like a map overlay with the subway system um to yes. the actual tokyo subway system and i was like oh that's that's tokyo
0: yeah, it is. So to the point where some people said that they were actually able to navigate some of the game just from having lived in Tokyo. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this is a game that wears its Japanese-ness on its sleeve and it's this is definitely a product of uh I guess the the years of the development of uh, Western anime fandom.
2: Mhm.
0: Because Back in if this was if this game came out in like say even like 2000 2001 then there would have been a Herculean a- attempt to like overwrite all the things that would uh, you know not make sense to an American sensibility but because of the fact that anime fandom blew up in the West because of piracy and because of piracy everybody was watching their shit subbed and in fact they became the preferred way to watch everything mm-hmm. and that is completely unvarnished right right so in that environment now i'm sure even if somebody in atlas had the conversation like oh are we going to change any of this stuff for western players you know atlas usa people are probably like fuck no right <laughs> like our audience is expecting all of that like to the point where uh i'm sure there was a conversation of whether they would even bothered to have english voices which sidebar, I'm glad they did because I think the English voice cast set for this game is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, though there was some localization weirdness like and Takamaki, not Takamaki, you know, like what? Uh, but uh, outside of stuff like that, um, yeah, the localization is completely excellent, but they knew exactly who the audience was, which is like I said, anime nerds. So they they don't need to varnish anything for them, because they already, they're like, it's okay, we know what we're getting into. Yeah. But, yeah, for somebody like yourself, who is not, like, balls deep in that world, uh, it is funny just to see, you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Like, this is a thing. Because I had all those same reactions a long time ago, but I had all the same reactions. Right. But, okay, so, that's, like, your initial impression, which is great. So let's talk a little bit about the storyline, right? Yeah. Because the storyline is also something that I think makes this game monumental. And of course, here's where we'll have to be kind of careful. Um, but essentially, in this game, uh, you are playing as the Phantom Thieves of Hearts. Uh, you go around and your objective, at least the surface level objective anyway, is to literally steal the hearts of really nasty adults that are in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first target in the game is, it's somewhat weird to say, but it's really serious. is your high school gym teacher. Yeah. Uh, who is, we find out, an extremely nasty guy who has literally been involved in like some serious crimes up to and including like sexual assault, right? Yeah. So, your job is to go and, in the process of stealing his heart, which is where going into in this game is the metaverse, but this game's version of uh, the manifestation of one psyche. Uh, by going there, you're going to find the the teacher or whoever your target is, their treasure, steal it, and they will have a change of hearts, which in Ideal scenario means that they're going to fess up. What I love about this concept, and this is what I was telling you a couple weeks ago, what I love about this concept is that it's a very simple one, right? You have the this this plucky band of teenagers has the power to change people's hearts, right?
2: Mm -hmm. Very simple concept, but the writing team for the game
0: follows this to its logical conclusion. Which, of course, gets you to the spoilery territory, which we're not going to talk about. Right. But uh, the whole the whole course of this game is following all the logical things that would flow from one having that ability. Like, what re- what repercussions come from you being able to change one's heart? Because they, a part of the process, I forgot to mention, part of the process of changing someone's heart is you have to announce to them that you're going to do it. Which is what stirs up real world controversy, yeah. And that's and much of Persona Five is dealing with the fallout of that real world controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really love works like that. I mentioned to you that the other anime work that I always stuck with me for doing that same thing was uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 00, which, real quick, uh, the the Gundam pilots in that series. Uh, sought to end all world conflict and they had exceedingly powerful (laughs) Gundams to try and make it happen. And that whole series followed the logical um, repercussions of, okay, well, what happens if somebody tries to eliminate all world conflict with overpowering weaponry? Uh, So you get into a lot of great discussions in this game, Mm -hmm. but more than anything else... It's just at a very core level, very believable,
1: right? Yeah, and this was the thing that you had mentioned is that like nobody, nobody in this game, none of the none of the antagonists in this game are like, you know, your typical JRPG or even anime antagonists where they have superpowers or they're like, uh, they're, they're like you know be beyond our understanding of psychotic and and they can like do, you know. Uh, like otherworldly damage, they're just regular people who commit the types of crimes that people go to jail for all the time, right? Yep. Or and, don't, sadly. Or don't, you know, yeah. Or don't because because of you know social standing and stuff like that, and 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 money and all these other things, and all that stuff gets brought up. Is like these people aren't getting their just desserts because of you know uh, their their status, what they what they do for their you know circle. Um, stuff like that. And, and that's, um, you know, you kind of find it it gets, it it keeps unraveling once you start doing more of this stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the base causes of why these people got to where they were and all this other stuff kind of, you know, slowly starts to take shape. And it's, and it's, it's very, it's, it's just very human, all of it.
0: Yes. Yes. For, there's a lot of goofy shit in this game. but So actually, now let's think about this too. Because I always talk, I was talking to one of our, our other friends the other day about Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. And one of the points that I always stress with Metal Gear is that I love the fact that that series can touch on very deep and very serious issues like nuclear proliferation and genetic engineering. But at the same time is not above like the basis sexual innuendo jokes. Yeah. Like, I love that tonal, you
1: know, uh, you know, that tonal shift, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and Persona
0: has that in spades.
1: Yeah, one of the first things that happens, uh, when you, when you first, like, uh, you know, enter the metaverse and you, you, you have, like, these, these costumes that are, um, you know, that kind of denote that you are a threat to this, this person's, um, you know, belief system. Right. And, uh. One of the first uh, female characters, like pl- playable female characters, that is introduced is is on Takamaki or Takamaki or however it's pronounced, and uh, her outfit is like you know leather spandex, like red leather spandex and stuff like that, and it's and it's like form fitting and everything, and uh, she's like, I can't believe that this is my outfit, and you can like you know they she like asks you what you think about it, and you can like you can just straight up tell her that you think she looks sexy. And I thought it was, like, so unprofessional, but also, like, I was like, wait, they're like teenagers. Like, this is funny. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. There's, al- there's always enough levity um, to keep the game just very fun at a, at a base level. Um, and that, this is a good place to kind of transition to talk. to another uh, major point about the game and, and a major point about the Persona games in general. Which is characterization. Uh, as we said, Persona games are visual novels, right? Mm-hmm. So they go in deep. I often critique gaming because people often talk about, oh, the storyline in whatever game is whack, whatever, whatever. And I usually say, if you want a good story, gaming is probably not the best place to get it anyway. Uh, if we're talking about a story that holds up like, in literary to literary analysis like serious literary analysis yeah, uh, because usually if you're going to have a story that goes that deep it's at the sacrifice of gameplay uh, for example Metal Gear is often criticized for that right? so but Persona games are of a genre the visual novel where that's okay right? to go in deep that's what you're going in expecting and they go in very deep you spend your time, you make a bunch of friends through the various events of the game and you spend a lot of time getting to know them, getting to know their various uh, flaws and personal demons and goals and all this stuff. Like, everybody is really well fleshed out, such that generally by the end of these games, you know, they're your friends, right? Right.
1: Yeah, like incredibly well. Fun. Even even side non playable characters, and I'm not talking. And I'm not talking about because you have this like whole. You have like this whole social web that that you. Some of them are playable characters, but most of them aren't. And yep. and you you go and you talk to them. You spend time with them, and the more time you spend with them, the more you know. Um, the stronger your connection gets, and then you can you can like reap various like passive uh, buffs. In combat, from from these uh, types of things, and you you can kind of you can spend as much time with uh, whoever your favorite is, you know. um, But they all have, you know, really intense stories. Like my favorite, my favorite is uh, the 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 shogi player.
0: I feel you say it because I really like her story too.
1: She's great, and like it's you know she's she's kind of like this typical you know um you know girl who is like she's gifted right she's she's a gifted shogi player like she can go professional she'd be a professional shogi player and i didn't i didn't even know what the hell shogi was i had to look up what shogi was (laughs) it's like japanese chess but like a little bit more intense like in terms of like the pieces that you can command but it's a japanese chess but like they, uh, yeah, they don't even describe it. Like they just, they just assume that I know what Shogi is, but you know, her, her story is just like, she's a, she's a gifted Shogi player. And like, they go through this whole back and forth where it's like, it, is she, does she actually like Shogi or is she just playing it because she knows she's really good at it and it would be like this waste of, of talent to, to stop, or is she just trying to make her, her mother happy or, um, you, you know, and, and like, or, or is she trying to make her, her late father proud or, or. What is she trying to prove? You know all of these things that, you know, um, you know, and, and plus it's it's uncommon for there to be uh, a female shogi player at her level, so you know people try and write her off as a gimmick or or try and say that you know the only reason she got this far in, in the shogi world is because of her looks, and you know people try and exploit all these different things, and like you you spend like comparatively very little time with this character, and. Yeah. And already, like, you could write, like, you could, you could, like, have a whole, like, you know, discussion just on her. Like, she's such a, she's such, like, a very much the type of person that you might know in real life. And she's incredibly agile. And they, they managed to, they managed to fit all of, all of this stuff into, you know, just a handful of interactions. And, you know, they, they they managed to stay so human that you can fill in a lot of the gaps. Like you, you still yes. like, you still know m- so much more about this person because the chances are that, you know, somebody like this or somebody that's going through so that, or maybe see some of that in yourself. And that's how I think that's how they managed to do it with all of these characters. And you know, some are deeper than others, but it really all depends on because they're so human. It really depends on how familiar they are to you. This shogi player like resonates with me, but like the uh, the the teacher, the teacher who's also the the maid,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I I don't like I don't care about her, whatever. But like she's fully ha- hashed out, but I'm like I'm like I can't really connect with like. The, the deal, even though I know what she's going through is like, a, a, like a common thing. Like she's struggling with money and, and she doesn't get paid enough as a teacher. And like, that's a big problem here in these, in the States. Right. And, and I was like, so I, I get it. I get that this is like a real person, but it doesn't resonate with me. So like, I, I never, I never spent time with her, but still like, this is a real, this is a real like archetype, right? This is a real type of person
0: exactly all the people you come across are very real um and and to that point because going back to focus on the core party for a minute because all the people you come across are so real and have such real stories it's so much easier to root for them to succeed like that on top of that and the core concept like I found myself wishing I'm like damn man like I really want the Phantom Feast to be real now like straight up because we I'm sure everybody listening and, and snacks here can think of multiple people who need to have their hearts stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh so I was that's the kind, that's how well it's executed. That you start thinking about, man, if only we had this for real over here, you know? Like if we if we really had the Phantom Thieves to come swoop in and, and put some uh, nice, polite, but still vigilante justice uh, on on some of the folks, the bad actors that we have running around our society. You know.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and that's and that's I think like the best type of fantasy where it's not so out there that that you can kind of you know remove yourself. Remove yourself from your real world. The whole time you're playing this game, you're like, I know this person. I know this person. I wish I could change this type of person's heart, too. I wish I could do this or that. Like, it's so applicable and that's what makes it so memorable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do recall reading um, Katsuro Hashino, the director of the game, was saying, said several times uh, in the lead-up to this game's release that their goal for the game was straight up to give people like the strength to face everyday life, which sounded absurdly ambitious to the point of being a little bit pretentious, frankly.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, But I think the final product 1,000% delivers on that promise. Like, sorry, Hashino-san, forever doubting (laughs) but But yeah, the final product 1,000% delivers on the promise of something that people can play to kind of, like, find the strength to face uh, the challenges that, that await them in life. Because, yes, the core party are Persona users and fancy things like that, but aside from that aspect, they still have to find, you know, the mental wherewithal to deal with all their shit. Like, that's... At, the, the brilliance of the Persona concept is that To get to the part where you get to have a cool outfit and blow people up in a metaverse, you have to find, uh, you have to face your own demons.
1: Yeah, yeah. You
0: have to you have to deal with your shit. You don't get to do the cool stuff until you deal with your shit, and so that is where the game remains, you know, hashtag relatable, Uh, and and so grounded in reality, like. Uh, In particular, I'm not done with the game, I'm not nearly as far as Snacks is, but I'm particularly thinking of the fourth palace in the game, uh, and the story that unfolds through that as being something where I was really struck by how much was needed for the central character of that arc arc. To, to deal with what were, what they were going through.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, the fourth the fourth palace is the best one.
0: I, I, I can only... I, to me, that one would be a hard one to top. Yeah. And I hate to even color anybody's impression before they play the game, so sorry if you play, didn't play the game yet. Uh, but I guess we shouldn't be that sorry because we're saying you're in for a treat. That's what, that's what the whole point of this discussion is. That's why I was so excited to be able... That's why we got Snacks the game, and that's why I'm so excited to talk about it. Because I really think uh, this game is not only the I don't know so Dingus still believes, believe it or not, that Persona 4 is a bit better than this game overall. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that. Uh, but either way, that's like arguing <laughs> that's like arguing between which are your favorite foods, right? Yeah. But uh the point being that this is a game that I hope a lot of people get to experience because yes it is very Japanese but despite that pretty much everything discussed in this game is very universally applicable like
1: oh absolutely this, and, and I think especially the villains and that's why
0: yeah that's
1: what that I think that's what like d- draws you in is that like like again, they're they're not like your typical, you know, they're not Sephiroth, right, right? right? Like I'm not gonna encounter a Sephiroth ever. I certainly hope. I hope not. Right? So. But like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna come across a kamashita right? You're gonna you're gonna find somebody who is in like a modest position of power who you know who who's
0: abuses the shit out
1: of it who you know abuses the shit out of it or or you know is generally not a nice person but like gets away with stuff because of of their their place and like how you know difficult it would be for everybody around to like r- remove this person but like and then that's that's kind of the brilliance in like the whole um the whole uh rehabilitation in the first place is that you don't do anything you don't like catch them in the act and then take them to court right like they you you literally perform a profound uh change in mentality within them and they confess Mm -hmm. and then you know are are either removed from their place of power or remove themselves from that place that they were that they were in previous And, you know, it's, it, it almost always leaves everybody around them shaken because a lot of people were unaware of, of what was really going on or, or are perplexed by this sudden change of, of heart. But, um, you know, you, you kind of see like all the repercussion too, like you see the good, the bad and the ugly of, of all of these, uh, these runs through people's psyche.
0: Yes. Yes. It's, it's exactly the kind of deep dive that I like to see. I would also say this is this is the rare example of a game where I think the storyline holds up regardless of everything else. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game that can stand up to actual literary analysis. Uh, this is a game where the storyline and the characterization are deep enough for me to hold it on uh, uh, that special pedestal, which then I suppose leads me to one of the most important parts, I think, of this entire discussion. So we're not doing the spoiler cast right now. That'll come later. But in this general discussion of the game, we should talk about this this game's place in, in the gaming pantheon and specifically in the JRPG one. So let's start with Japan real quick, right? Yeah. So, and I'm going to throw my my hypothesis out there, and I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree. So, up until, let's say, twenty well, yeah, 2010, uh, Final Fantasy was considered the be all end all. Well, actually, that's not true, because the be-all, end-all in Japan of JRPGs is Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest can shut down Japan, as it pretty much just did when Eleven came out. Uh, But aside from that, on the tier below, Godhood, uh, in, like, Demi-Godhood, was Final Fantasy, right?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. A game that commanded cultural cachet, not only in Japan, but around the world, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, seen as one of the greatest exports uh, and on top of that because of its history of leading technology and leading um, presentation and that and art design and all that uh, most of the Japanese industry would look to that game as kind of a barometer for what was possible for their studios particularly the RPG makers uh, and the reason I call it 2010 with the Western release of FF-13, I mean, they kind of flushed all that down the toilet as far as I'm concerned. And again, that comes from somebody who liked that series. Mm -hmm. But, in the intervening years, what comes along? Persona. Persona has gathered steam since P3, which I think was originally released, I don't quote me, I want to say like 07. Maybe even earlier. But, uh...
1: Uh, Persona oh, three. 3 Persona three was oh 06.
0: Damn, even older. So, damn, that game is a decade old already? Yep. Damn. Anyway, but yeah, so the point even more strongly made. So, over the course of the last decade, the Persona series has gathered so much steam to the point where I would believe that uh, the Persona series is now... Uh, the best argument for JRPGs and probably for Japanese gaming in general in 2017? Agree or disagree?
1: I, uh, have given,
0: especially as somebody that played 15, I should say.
1: Yeah. Given, given, um, I mean, this is, this is like leagues better than 15, right? Like just, just stacking the two games up. Uh It's not really a contest, but, um, the, it's also apples and oranges too. So we'll, you know, take that into account. But, um, I I would say given the ongoing discussion that you and I have been having about the generation gap, that I'm with, with that discussion in mind, I'm having a difficult time defending the notion that Final Fantasy is should should now be, you know, the like the is is now like the high the high water mark for JRPGs. Right? Right. In in like the in like the the general, I would say, uh outside of Japan conscious. Right. Um I think that there's still a little bit of, um, like a niche cross to bear that, that persona suffers from. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that your average person has heard of final fantasy and I am certain that that same person has not heard of persona. Um, so there's that. Um, but as far as, as far as, Uh, quality since 2008, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at a, you're looking at a pretty lopsided battle, right? Right. Where, where, where in Persona it has, has clearly been doing a much better job. But again, we're, we're only talking about a very recent, uh, resurgence of JRPGs in the, in the general consensus. And, you know, we're talking about how many people who are, one gaming generation younger or more than us um, have you know care like there's we we have the discussion where it's like how many people who are now seventeen and are into video games have played any Final Fantasy, right? It's it's possible that they haven't played any, and if they haven't played any Final Fantasy games, I would I would not. I wouldn't put it past them that they wouldn't have any, have played any persona game either. So I think that there is like final fantasy provided a foundation for JRPGs to thrive outside of Japan. Right. Absolutely. But if you did not, if you did not help build the house on top of that foundation, like you and I did, right. Mm -hmm. Just by following the trend then you're living on a completely different street. And this person who is 17 and is really into video games has probably heard of both series. Right. But, and if you gave them Persona 5 and you gave them Final Fantasy 7, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think that they would probably think that Persona 5 is a better game because... Probably. <laughs> because they don't have you know I, I mean I mean you know they they don't have the they don't have the the um like the burden of of nostalgia or or you know the like um the like pressure of of keeping either game on any type of uh Pedestal. you know like like legacy based uh rating system right right. So, so, you know, they're, they're going to like, they're going to like Persona 5 better than probably any Final Fantasy game because it's, it's, it's that good, Mm -hmm. but who are we really talking about? Like, like, like where does, where does Persona exist among, you know, all the other JRPGs to who is the question is, is to who is the question.
0: Well, the original question I was asking cuz remember how I worded it? I said the best argument. So, in thinking about FF, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what you said before. FF was previously the the vanguard for JRPGs, right? Because mm-hmm. as you said, before 7, uh, your average person really did not play RPGs at all, right? Yeah. Um and it was on the back of seven that JRPGs found a market in the United States. Uh, as time went on, and JRPGs really did not evolve that much, and FF shot the bed. Uh, all these various triple A Western blockbusters uh, came and took their place, right? Mm-hmm. And and then some, right? Uh, all these Western games, you know, like Skyrim and whatever, have sold leagues beyond. Anything that any of the Japanese studios could have put up in as far as numbers. Yes. But now I'm talking about like the best foot forward, right? Yeah. So previously, for for, for Japan, the Japanese game industry to the world, the best foot forward was Final Fantasy. Uh, so my my hypothesis was at this point, uh, has Persona Five definitively snatched the crown? I think undoubtedly, but I want, that's what I was asking. When,
1: worded, when, when you word it that way, yes.
0: So now, okay, so you'd be in agreement on that point. But then, yeah, you, you, you are completely correct that we should argue about uh, who are we talking about um, when we talk about like appeal, right? So mm-hmm. this is where we talk. That's why I said we should talk about it's place among JRPGs. So we agree that this is the king. This is the new king
1: yes this is uh, this is currently the the best foot forward as you, this as you the, said
0: this is the best foot forward so the new king now is the king of a of a small and scrappy king right mm-hmm. uh so now where what is its place among gaming in general and I think this is where it gets interesting because I think back to e three actually. And, like, Sean Layden from Sony being up on stage talking about dope games released on PS4. And he, and he mentioned Persona 5, which... And I remember being, like, completely taken aback. I was like, "He said Persona?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, not because Persona's bad, quite the opposite. But because this is, even now, in my head, a fairly niche product. Like, you would not expect somebody on the stage where they're going to be talking about the next Call of Duty uh, and, you know, a big Spider-Man game and shit like that to be talking about fucking Persona, right? Not in 2017. Yeah. So that, to me, sidebar, also shows how, I, I guess, how far out of even the gaming mainstream Japanese games have gone, which is kind of sad. But uh, going back to the main point, it, it displayed to me that Persona Five, I think, has really opened up the conversation in a good way, mm-hmm. uh, and that it can now make a fresh argument to people who previously wrote off JRPGs as like boring and stagnant. To well, here's something that is of that genre that is very not boring and stagnant, and yeah. even added bonus. I think it's even crazier. It achieves all of that while being a turn-based game.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll throw this in there too. Um, on Metacritic, uh, all-time PS Four games by Metascore, Persona Five is fourth. What's the top? Uh, GTA Five.
0: The game that
1: cannot die. No, the game that literally cannot die. Um, literally can't die. But I mean, we're we're looking at a game that is more highly rated uh, on on Metacritic of for for every single PS4 game than Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, Bloodborne, The Witcher, Right, uh, Overwatch games that are. Um, Huge names, yeah, like like very much a part of the you know overall gaming discussion. So, it's 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 part of it now because Persona Five couldn't be ignored, right? But we're still talking about you know like one game. There was uh, nine nine years difference between. Or nine years between Persona Five and Persona Persona Four and Persona Five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there would need to be some, you know, semi-regular Persona content um, that's that's you know part of the discussion going forward in order for it to be like you know truly like push everybody out of its way when it when it comes out. You know what I mean?
0: That's fair, and to that point, I'm wondering if this is like going to be a similar scenario to, let's say, Monolith Soft with Xenoblade. So remember, Xenoblade Chronicles X infamously took, what, five years or something like that? Even more, maybe? Mm-hmm. Almost six to come out after the original one from the Wii. Uh, but here we are, two years later, and they're already going to drop a sequel. And at first I was like... <laughs> I literally at first was like, they said, oh yeah, come out in 2017. I closed the window. I was like, they're full of shit. But then all this footage has come out, like, the game is looking pretty done. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, senior people from the studio are like, yeah, once we got an engine put together for Xenoblade Chronicles X, we can use that engine again. Uh, and that's why we're able to turn around this game much quicker. So I'm hoping that, given that now with Catherine and P5, the studio now has an HD-ready development tool set in their pipeline, uh, yeah. that they may be able to turn around the next game, hopefully in three years, instead of 20. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and the world needs it, for sure, because, at, I mean, Katsuro Hashino, the director, is moving on to a new project which is actually like a fantasy RPG product. But knowing him, I'm sure it's going to have some bonkers twist. Uh, but I, I still believe that whoever at the studio will take the helm of the next Persona project uh, will see it through to even greater heights anyway because the the template has been set, the roadmap has kind of been set for like what it can do and what it can offer people. Uh, and I'd also... So, to respond to the point you made earlier about like a 17 year old. I would actually feel much more comfortable offering a 17 year old Persona 5 than FF Seven. Uh
1: FF7's oh, well, a bit test the game
0: in its own right. But Persona 5, despite again, like the ultra Japanese. Well, first of all, 17 year olds still very much watch anime. Like anime is still very much a big thing among people of all ages at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh so if they like anime for sure, I'm giving this giving this game. And uh, not to mention it also speaks to a lot of, as we said, real world issues. And particularly if you are in like that age cohort. Yeah. So I would feel really good about like I think about this game as something that I could give to people who are like, oh, I don't play that boring whack JRPG shit. I don't be like, well, I'll try this one.
1: Yeah, and, and not to mention that if you are 17, Final Fantasy VII came out three years before you were born.
0: Exactly, which is fucked up to think about, but <laughs> we are.
1: Which is super fucked up. Yeah, we should um, <laughs> we should change all the 17-year-olds' hearts.
0: <laughs> no, we shouldn't, because then they're all going to be insufferable nostalgia whores like they're older brothers.
1: You're right. You're right. You're right. They're pure. We should leave them alone. Yeah. All right. So, um, anything else you wanted to bring up before we uh, before we wrap this guy up?
0: Uh, only that if you have a PS four or PS three, like me, uh, just go play Persona Five. Like I don't care who you just just try it.
1: Like yeah, we it can't really we, is good. Yeah, we can't really recommend it enough. Like just to just to get a flavor of of the of the style, and I, I think I think once you uh, once you get that far to appreciate that type of stuff, you're you're going to want to keep playing it. But that's all the time that we have for, uh, for today. Uh, thanks for listening to us gush about Persona 5 forever. Uh, I am uh, still uh, playing the game, so therefore I am still tweeting about it. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at Frog Snacks. You can also check us out on Instagram at Podcast. Listen to us on Apple Play. No, Apple Podcasts.
0: You just, you just fused two of them. Yeah, Apple.
1: I did. Uh, we're not uh, – yeah, go- not Google Play. Apple Podcasts, (laughs) rate, review, subscribe, and check us out on our website, frogsnext.net. Got all of our written content and all of our episodes there. And uh, so that's it for this week. And we will uh, see you guys next week. Everybody enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Peace. Peace.